I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles with me to the book of John, the Gospel according to, to, to John this evening, and we'll take our Scripture reading from John chapter number 2. Very thankful for the opportunity to speak to you. And uh, I, what, what, what I have on my heart tonight is, is quite a simple message, and, and I hope that uh, that being so, that you, you won't tune out quickly. I know that I've been there, I've sat through sermons, and, and you're like, well, he's in a passage that's very simple. I get it. And so I'm going to, I'll stay awake with my eyes, but my mind is going to go start thinking about the curry tonight or whatever else might be on your mind. And, and I'd like to challenge you not to do that. Not because I uh, am, have anything that's ultra thought provoking, but I, I do hope that the word of God would be tonight. And so um, let's, not, let's not be people who complicate the scriptures. Um, the word, the word of God is is something that is written even for the babes, and so so let's understand it that way. Let's read in, in John chapter number two, and we'll start our reading um, in in verse number thirty-five. I'm um, pardon me, John chapter number one, starting our reading in verse number thirty-five. The word of God says this again. The next day, after John stood, that's that's John Baptist and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speaking and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas which is by interpretation a stone. And we know the Lord will add His blessing to the reading and the hearing of His Word tonight. Now, we find here a, a quite a, a simple setting, a, a simple passage. We see John the Baptist is here with his disciples, and he has seen Jesus Christ most, most probably uh, quite shortly after his uh, time in the wilderness, after the temptation. And Jesus Christ is walking by and John the Baptist says these words, Behold the Lamb of God. And a s- simple message that John the Baptist says, but his two disciples who are with him, um, one who we know to be Andrew, according to the text, and, and the other, most probably uh, the Apostle John who is writing this book, are both standing there, and, and they hear this message. It's amazing to think how the message impacted them. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, that's not a, a simple message, or uh, pardon me, it's not a, 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 sometimes we think it's maybe an empty message. Behold the Lamb of God. But it, it's a, it's a, a very important message because you'll notice if you go up to verse number 29 that it is not the first time that John Baptist shared this message and not the first time that John the Baptist shared this message, no doubt, with those two disciples. But it was the time that it changed their life. Notice what he says in verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, 
And then it adds, adds this bit, which we don't see in verse number uh, 36, which taketh away the sin of the world. It's a message that's compelling. Behold, it, it, it compels people to look. It's a message that's prophetic. He uses this terminology, the Lamb of God. No doubt the, the prophecy that we see in Isaiah, no doubt in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, it's a purifying message which taketh away the sin of the world. And it's a global message. It is for the world. You think of that message, it's, it's compelling, it's prophetic, it's purifying, it's global. But ultimately, it was a simple message. What was the message? Look to Christ. Look to Christ and He'll change you. Now, we, we like to take the, the message of Christianity and make it very complex. But the message of Christianity is look to Christ. Now, now, no doubt, uh, Andrew, who was a disciple of John, no doubt, growing up in a Jewish home, in a Jewish family, he knew a few things already. He knew there was a true God. He knew that he was a sinner against that God, that he was guilty before that God. And he knew that there was a Messiah that was coming to, to make him right with that God. And so... Andrew was anticipating in his life that a Messiah would be coming that would, would, would be the Savior. Now, I don't think that Andrew at this time, as we know, as we read through the Scriptures, knew that Christ had come to die. But he knew that a Messiah was coming. And, and so the anticipation, as John says, look, this is the man. This Jesus is the Lamb of God which come to take away the sin of the world. He is the one. So, so Andrew responds not the first time though, but the second time. Now, there's something to, to be said there. How many times have you heard the message of God, this message, that, that, that the message of the gospel, and not been changed by it? How many times, let me, let me say it this way, how many times have you shared the gospel with someone and they've not been changed by it? You know, there's a bit of persistence here, and, and John the Baptist says it multiple times. And then these guys are changed. They heard the message. They heard the message. You say, uh, Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they believe on whom, on, in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Someone must share the Word of God. That's what John the Baptist was. He came to prepare the way. So Andrew heard the Gospel, but this is what's more compelling. Not only did he hear it, but he believed it. He heard the message, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard Him speak and they followed Jesus. It was a message that not only did they hear it, but it changed them. See, the reality is, is there are many people who have heard this message time and time and time again yet haven't believed it. They haven't put their trust in it. And we know this is, this is true throughout the Scriptures. You see time and time again that people hear the message and they reject it. People hear the message and they, they, they tarry over it. And they hear the message and some believe. But there is only one right response to the, this Gospel message. It is that believe. Believe. As pastor preached this morning, repent and believe. Turn from your sins and turn to God that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe on thy heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's a simple message. Behold the Lamb of God. It's a simple response. They followed Jesus. 
And then this is what I love. He heard the message. He heard the Gospel. He believed the Gospel. And then Andrew went and shared the Gospel. Verse number 41, the Scriptures say this, He first, Simon, um, pardon, Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He went and found his own brother and brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I, I think um, this is, this is what, what's as incredible as, as Andrew heard the message. He believed it. And then he thought it was good enough to go and share with his brother. And so he goes and finds his, his blood relative, the one who is his, uh, his saint, the, 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 his brother, the one he grew up with, the one who no doubt had heard this message already. And he goes and finds him and he was excited to share the gospel with him. So he testifies. He says this, we have found the Messiah, the one that our parents have told us about, the one who we went to the temple to worship year after year, the one who the Passover is about. We have found him. He is here. And so what does he do? He doesn't just tell his brother. He takes his brother by the hand and brings him to Christ. He brings him all the way. He found someone to to tell, and he told him what he experienced, and then he brought him to where he could experience it for himself. I wonder tonight, are you bringing people to Christ? Are you bringing people to Christ? Let me back up. Have you come to Christ? Have you come to Christ yourself? And then, are you bringing people to Christ? See, the reality is, is, is I think if we're honest, a lot of us, we're, we're in a church that I believe is a very evangelistic church. There's, there's probably more than a hundred opportunities this week. That might be an exaggeration, but there are plenty of opportunities this week for you to get involved in evangelizing the lost. So I ask that question, are you reaching people? Are, are you bringing people to Christ? See, the, 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 the truth is, is I think a lot of us, if we're honest, would have to say, you know, I, I, I don't know that I am. I don't know that I'm doing as much as I can do or as much as I would do. And so I want to ask this question tonight. And this is, this is the premise for the, the, the that was all introduction. So uh, this is the idea that I want to, want to share with you tonight. What is it that takes someone from hearing and believing the message of the gospel to then going and sharing? What was it in Andrew's life that changed him? See, if you look in this passage, when, when he, when at, at the beginning here in, in verse number 38, it says, and then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek ye? Why, why are you following me? Jesus says to them. And they say this. They said unto him, notice what he says, Rabbi. Now what is a, what is a rabbi? This was the same, the same word that, um, um, Nicodemus said. Nicodemus says this. He says, Rabbi. He says, we know that thou art a teacher. It, it says in, in John chapter three. But in John chapter two here, or one here, it says, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master. So he comes to him and he recognizes Jesus as a teacher. But if you read down into the text, notice what it says in verse number 41. And he saith unto Simon, he saith unto him, we have found the Messiah. So somewhere between verse number 38 and, and, and verse number 41, 
Andrew goes from realizing Jesus was a good teacher, a good rabbi, to realizing that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. What was it that changed it? Notice what it says this. He says, what seek ye? They say unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt. And notice this. And abode with him that day. What, what was it that changed his view of Jesus? It was that he came and spent time with Christ. See, I, I think a lot of us here tonight probably have a list. Maybe you sat down at the beginning of this year and you made a bunch of resolutions. I want to be a better soul winner. I want to read, I, I want to read through the Bible this year. I want to be a more holy person. I want to give up this sin that is causing me to struggle. I, I want to be this, that, and the other thing. And how do you do that? How do you go from being a person who, 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 who has all these issues into your life or, or, or wants to do more for Christ to actually doing it? to actually being changed. It's simply abiding with Christ. Amen. You know, this, this is one of the, if you read through the Scriptures, this is one of the, the great doctrines of the Word of God. It's, it's not some fancy word, uh, eschatological word, or, you know, big, big fancy thing that the theologians have come up with to define something that you could say very simple. It is simply this, abiding with Christ. Do you abide with Christ? Have you abode with Christ? See, the reality is, is none of us are going to be the men or the women that we need to be unless we learn to be with Jesus. We want to serve. We want to do. We want to reach people with the Gospel. We want to change this world. But if, if God has not first changed us, then how are we to go out and to change somebody else's life? You know, we, we always say that the goal of the Christian life is to know God and to make Him known. But we, we, we want to make Him known, but do you actually know Him? And I don't mean, and, and the temptation is there to be the, the theological jargon, but do you know Christ? Do, do you really know Him? Does, does the name Jesus mean as much to you as, as the name of your children means to you? Someone, if, if someone says Israel to me, that means a lot to me. I feel it in my heart. That's my son's name. If somebody says my wife's name, Joanna, I know that's my wife. And, and immediately uh, thoughts and, and, and joy comes to my heart to consider my wife and my children. But is that the same kind of joy and, and longing and desire that comes into my heart, into your heart, when somebody says Jesus? Or is Jesus just a historical figure? that you know a lot about and you know He needs to be real in your life, but He's not really. See, that's, that's what changed Andrew's life. He, he saw Him as a teacher. He saw Him as a master. You know, a lot of people see the teachings of the Bible as, as incredible. It, it's considered this, to this day one of the, uh, the, the most popular books in the world. And, and there are many people who read it who have no clue who Jesus is. But have you come to the point where you can say, I know the Messiah. I know the Christ. I know the Savior of the world. He is my friend. He is the one who has changed me because He had spent 
time in the presence of God. Abide means this. He says, it says this, that they came and they saw and abode with him that day. To, to abide means to dwell, to continue, to sojourn, to lodge, to remain, to rest, to, to set up your dwelling place with the Lord. See, Andrew got to know Christ. He, 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 he wasn't just flipping about it. He really abode with Christ. John 15, Jesus Christ says it in this true vine uh, um, sermon or, or whatever you want to call it. He, he's talking, I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Notice this, verse number 4, abide in me. Well, he's talking about bearing fruit. How do you bear fruit? Abiding in Christ. Are, are we bearing fruit? Well, the question is, are we abiding in Christ? Are we spending time with Him in His presence? Are we dwelling with Him? I, and, and you know, the, the, the truth is, is, and I know that, I, I, I believe that we have a, a unique church. A church where I believe many of the people in it truly do desire to know God and, and really want to abide with Him. And, and I, I know there are people in this church who, who wake up and spend three, four hours with the Lord in the morning. But if I'm honest, and, and maybe if you're honest tonight, maybe you couldn't say that you, you do the same. That you even want to do the same. Do, do you want, do you desire to spend time with the God of heaven and earth? You think of, of Psalm, Psalm 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Why, why did David, the psalmist, want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life? Was it, was it so that he could be famous? Was it so that the Lord would give him lots of money and that he would, he would be a very rich person? Was it, was it that he could travel the world? No, it was this that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. He wanted to be in the presence of God simply to see God's beauty, to see His splendor, to know where He was. Could you imagine that day as Andrew, for the first time in his life, he, he had lived maybe 30, 40 years. I don't know how old he was. And he'd been, he'd been with this great teacher, John. And, and, and John had been doing all sorts of in, incredible things. A, a man with a big beard and he's eating locusts and, and wild honey. And, and no doubt Andrew's like, man, this guy's a man's man. This is the guy I want to be with, John the Baptist. But now he enters into the presence of God and they go and he just sits with Jesus. And it changes him. It totally changes him in every way. It changes his future. It changes his present. Think of that, that he has been with Jesus. He, he invites them to come into his lodging. That's what's amazing is Jesus, Jesus has, says to him, what do you seek? What do you want? What do you want from me? And they say, we, we just want to know where you dwell. And he says, well, come and see. And that invitation is to all of us tonight. Come and see. Come, come and dwell at the Savior's feet. Come and abide with Him. You know, the, 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 the psalmist, um, as the heart pants after the water brook, so my soul longeth for thee. Does, does our soul, does our inner man really long for Christ? Long for God? Now, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it says this, they came to where he dwelt. 
They, they came and saw where he dwelt. Verse 39, that is. Come and see. And, and they did it. Jesus invited them and they came. They went to the location where he was. They, they went to where Jesus was. In Mark 3 and verse 14, it says, And you ordained twelve that they should be with him. That they should be in his presence. That they should know him. And, and what's amazing is this was a time when, when Jesus was walking the earth and so they were, they could go and be in his presence. And you say, man, I, I would really love to just be in Jesus' presence. You know, before that, the presence of God was manifested in the temple. And, and then even before that, it was manifest in the tabernacle. And, and, and people could literally in the, the days of the tabernacle see the presence of God upon the place. And, and when the temple was first uh, erected, the second temple, the, the Zerubbabel's temple, they could literally see the presence of God come down in that place. And you think, man, and, and, and in Jesus' day, they were in the presence of God. But, but here's what's incredible. We, we live after the ascension. We live after the day of Pentecost. We live in the day where the Spirit of God dwells within us. And so we not, need not go on a pilgrimage to the, to the temple once a year or to the, to the tabernacle. And we don't need to go and find Jesus physically somewhere on this planet because if you have been born again, He dwells within you. The reality is, is we don't live in the conscience presence of God. He is with us and yet we act like He's not. He, he is in this room and, and we pretend like He's not there. Like, what would it, what would our life be like? I, I remember one day we were with, um, Pastor Paul Bassett and he was going to preach one day and, and we were doing it. Pastor Moreland was doing an interview with him and, and Pastor said, would you like to go and, and spend, spend some time studying to prepare for your sermon? And, and he said, ah, I'm, I'm just trying to dwell in the pres, the, the con- conscious presence of the Lord today. And what he was saying is, is he didn't need to prepare because he was just with Jesus that day. He was trying to dwell and walk with God in everything he was doing. His thoughts were consumed with the Savior. He was abiding with Him. That's what it's about. We, we can be in the presence of God. We can live in the presence of God. We do live in it. But we act like we don't. If if, if you were living in the presence of, of, of somebody else in this room who, who knew all of your thoughts and knew all of your goings, you would, be, you would be utterly humiliated. I think most all of us would be. But the reality is, is the God of heaven and earth is there with you. If we would live that way, imagine how, how our lives would be changed in His presence. So many things. That we, the reality is, is you and I need to get alone with God. Now, it's, it's good, and I'm excited about the men's prayer and fast, and, and we carve out this time to, to go away. The, the, the ladies meeting on Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night, we carve out this time to go and pray. But what about your own soul? Have you ever carved out time in your life for yourself to get alone with God? You say, you know what, and, and I, I'm, I'm this way. You know what, I'm going to spend three hours this morning away from uh, everything else and just be alone with God. I, I'm going to spend this, this day away from everything else and just spend it with God. Yeah. A prayer and fast is a great thing, but you don't need to do it with the church. 
You, you need to do it alone. You need to pray alone. We do need to do it with the church. And I'm not trying to discount that. There were national prayer and fast in, in the, the Scriptures. But, but we need to have it where our, our walk with God is not dependent on, on what Pastor Moreland has, has set up for us. And I'm thankful for a pastor who is driving a church in that direction. But it needs to start in your own heart, in your own soul, alone with God. Get alone with God. And not only that, not only did they go to His location, but they spent time with Him. They came and saw where He dwelt and abode with Him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So some, some people believe 10 o'clock, some people believe 4. I don't think it really matters. The reality is they spent significant time with Christ. They gave their time to Him. I'm happy. And I think that all of us need to give time to church and time to evangelism. I think that all of us need to give time to our family. But do you give time specifically and specially to the Lord? Do you give time like Mary doing that one needful thing, sitting at the Savior's feet? Because if I'm honest, <laughs> got to be honest as I'm preaching, don't I? I don't. I don't give the Lord the time that He deserves. I give Him time, but not the time that He is, is convicting me of right now as I'm speaking to you that I believe He deserves in my life. I don't. And the reality is, is you can't change that for me. I need to make that change. And if the Lord is convicting you, then you need to make that change. I, I Listen, I have two kids, two children, one that's all, two and then two in a few months and one that's one in a few months. And I know what it's like to wake up and the children are constantly bombarding you. I know what it's like to have and whatever you think of the excuse you have. But we need to draw away from that somehow. Husbands, work with your wives. Wives, work with your husbands and say, I'll take the children so that you can abide with the Lord. I'll, 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 I'll do the dishes tonight so that you can just spend time with the Lord. I'll do this or that and help one another. Husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, some of you are single. If you're single, then you ought to spend all of their spare time alone with the Lord. There's no greater time in your life than as a single person to dwell with the Lord. Because it's not going to get easier. I promise you. Maybe I'm not retired yet, but maybe when I retire and my children are out of the house, maybe it'll get easier then, but it hasn't yet. So if, if you're saying, man, I really want to get married, hey, well, seize the opportunity the Lord has given you today to abide with Him. To dwell with Him. To be with Him. It's not enough. Matthew Henry said, it's not enough to take a turn with Christ now and then but we must lodge with Him to dwell with Him. You want to be changed. You want to be different. You want to be a soul winner. You want to be holy. You want to be a person who shakes this world. Then abide with Christ. It's simple. It's not a complex message. It's, and, and, and can I tell you, that the, the, the word that we need are Christ's words, are God's words. The, the written Word of God. It's easy sometimes you think, man, I, 
I need to know more about God. And, and we find 150 other resources and we read about them and we begin to trust them more than simply trusting the Word of God. We begin to, and, and we start, we get to the point where we say, you know what, I like this preacher or I like this author, I like this writer. And whatever he says becomes more compelling and more consuming than this. You know, you know when you come away from your, your devotions in the morning, I wonder, does Oswald Chambers affect you more than the Word of God affects you? I've been there where my, my devotional book that I read alongside my Bible speaks more to me on a regular basis than the Word of God itself. And I've, I've, I've begun to rely on, you pick the man, Oswald Chambers, Andrew Murray, J.C. Ryle, than, than simply learning to just abide with Christ. Abide with Christ. That starts, he, he heard the Word of God, and he believed it. I wonder tonight, do you believe? Has Jesus Christ changed your life? If he hasn't, then I'm begging you to go and get in his presence. What, what, what seek ye? He says, come and see tonight. Would you come to him and see? Would you come to Christ tonight and see? And then for the rest of you, you say, well, I'm born again. Then let us learn to live in the conscience, presence of the Lord. Let us learn to dwell with him. And let us learn to set aside specific and special time on our knees in the Word with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so much tonight for this example of Andrew. And I know, I know that we all are in greater need of this. I know that there are no doubt some here that if, if we were to measure and not that we should, would, would put me to shame. But the, the truth is, is I, I know that I am not abiding with Thee as I ought to. And Lord, I ask Thee to help me to make, make it work. Make it happen, Lord. And just truly learn to live in Thy presence. I thank Thee that Thou art a God who is there, who is present, and who is with us, and who wants us to be with Thee. Lord, draw us unto Thyself, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Thank you, Seth. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. And at Thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. How many of you know that you haven't and you're not spending enough time in the presence of God? How many of you know that? Well, there's no time to change that than right now, than like right now. One thing we're good at as Christians is we're good at talking about the problem, talking about the need, and then not doing anything about it. It's one thing to talk about it, talk about what we need to do. Now let's heed the word. God has given us his word. And we've heard a faithful message tonight. And may God help us this week. Let's determine tonight before you go to bed, that you'll spend time with God. Don't why wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to start tomorrow, spending more time with God. And tomorrow comes and nothing changes. Start today. Well, I've been in church twice today. Surely I don't need to do anything else. No, no, you need to be alone with God. And may the Lord give us enough courage and strength tonight even to go home from this place and seek His face. We need it. May we wake up early tomorrow. And spend time with Him so that we might be ready for the day ahead.